Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Victoria. It's been really amazing for those of us who are here day to day, week to week, to see the incredible work that's done in Sarah's Hope Food Pantry. One of the things I love about the ministry teams here at Oceanside Sanctuary, and that includes Sarah's Hope Food Pantry, the Justice Works team, the anti-racism team, uh, all of these teams really demonstrate that when we put our bodies on the line for other people, that when we take our faith and put it into action in tangible ways, that is where we experience a resurrection from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. That's my whole sermon. <laughs> so we could go. No, sorry. We are going to wrap up, believe it or not, our wisdom series today by taking a look at how the resurrection operates in our lives to deliver us from that place of hopelessness to hope. Would you just pray with me for a moment before we go there? God, we thank you for today, for this opportunity for us to put our bodies in a place where we can experience that moment of resurrection where our hearts can be expanded where our minds can find new creative imagination for what's possible where we encounter you in a real way in our lives we pray for that each and every day and we thank you for the opportunity to do that here today we pray that in Jesus name amen our reading today comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. One of my favorite resurrection passages. We're actually going to pick it up in verse 11 and read 11 through 18. This is after the death of Jesus on the cross. And one of Jesus' closest disciples, Mary Magdalene, comes to visit him. In verse 11 it says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. This is, of course, after the empty tomb is discovered. Mary arrives there expecting to visit the body of her beloved rabbi, and she finds the tomb empty, and she is broken. She is devastated twice over and experiences a brand new place of weeping and grief because the body of her rabbi is gone. But there instead are two angels, verse 13, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, and don't miss this moment because this is where resurrection happens. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go 
to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary's suffering at the loss of Christ continues in her life, even though she encounters the risen Christ, because her imagination cannot grasp the idea that Christ is risen from the dead. Because death is final. Death is the end. Death is the end not just of our bodily existence, but it is the end of all of our hopes and dreams and beliefs about what is possible in the future. It is final. But therein death is the key to understanding new life. For those of you who came on Friday, you heard me say this. The road to resurrection is not just to the cross, it is through the cross. That there is no life without first experiencing death. The great black American theologian James Cone said it this way, the cross is the truth because God is hidden there in Jesus's sacrificial vicarious suffering. Only faith can see that which cannot be derived from the logic of history or reason. I'll say it again, only faith can see that which cannot be derived from the logic of history or reason. Faith is able to sense and appropriate an ultimate truth too deep for human reason. Some of you are here wondering if this is something you can believe. And to you, James Cone would say, you can't. There is no believing this absurd story of a first century ancient Near Eastern rabbi who dies and then rises again. Believing it historically is not the point. Believing it reasonably is not the point. Believing it logically, trying to work it out for yourself in your head is to utterly miss the opportunity that you have to encounter the truth of Christ. So stop. Or just keep going. Until you come to the end of yourself. And you finally experience Good Friday. Give it up. Friends, let me tell you, I have tried to work this out. It does not make sense. And I, I can't tell you how grievous it is for me to say that. I deeply need things to make sense. I was that annoying child growing up who took apart every mechanical device in the house to try to figure out what made it tick. Some of you know the deeply disconcerting feeling of me trying to take you apart and figure out what makes you tick. Right, Joey? It is the arrogance of human intelligence to believe that we can understand the workings of the cosmos. And the temptation is to apprehend it so that we can control it. And now I'm just confessing. I'm like on the couch. You're my therapists. The cross invites us to rid ourselves of that arrogance. The cross invites us to rid ourselves 
of the desire to control not just ourselves, not just our neighbor, but God as well. Mary doesn't recognize Jesus because the truth is too deep for human reason. But she does finally recognize, recognize Jesus when he calls her by name. And that is where it happens. When God calls you by name, that is when you awaken to the reality that hides behind the cross, the truth that cannot be grasped by human reason. John 10, 27, Jesus says to his disciples, before his death, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Our faith is not primarily about beliefs or doctrines or creeds, although we make it into that. Hear me when I say this, all of your beloved lists of beliefs and creeds and doctrines that we give ourselves to are just another version of our attempt to objectify God so that we can control God. That is not what Christianity is about. It's why I refuse to put a statement of beliefs on our website. We don't come here to control God, to own God, to contain God, to square God inside of our little intellectual circle. No, we come here to know God. Our faith is not about beliefs, doctrines, rituals, or creeds. Our faith is about encountering Christ as Mary did in that moment of death and resurrection. And that is how we come to know God. I love the way Serene Jones puts this, Disciples of Christ theologian, president of Union Theological Seminary. She says, as he did with Mary, Jesus comes to us not as a general idea or as an imagined ghostly figure, but as a presence that reaches beyond our minds, overt powers of knowing and touches our lives in ways we cannot see. Victoria just shared with you what that looks like. When knowing Christ touches our lives in ways that we cannot see. I'll bet most of you could describe what that's like too. I'll bet most of you, even if you're not sure who you belong to or what church you might call your own or whether or not you believe in this thing called Christianity, I'll bet that if we had a cup of coffee, and I will always have a cup of coffee with you, that you could tell me what it was like to experience grace and goodness in a way that you couldn't describe with words. You might try. You might tell me the story of when your children were born. You might tell me the story of when somebody expressed kindness to you when you least expected it. One time I was driving from home to work and I had a long commute. And for the better part of 20 years on my commute, I have turned on NPR because I'm a news junkie and I want to know everything and understand. I've already been there. I want to know it all. And so I would fill my morning commute with the sounds of NPR. And on this particular morning, 
I was especially wrapped up in the problems of the world and the anxieties and the injustices that I really couldn't do anything about, which feels a lot like these days. And as I turned up the radio on my way to work, in that moment, in a way that I cannot explain to you, in a way that you may not believe, and if that's the case, that's okay, but in that sort of unexplainable way, a voice came to me and said, you turn on the radio so you don't have to listen to me. So I turned off the radio. <laughs> and I realized that there was a sense of presence with me at that moment that began to unravel my fears and anxieties and began to kindle my imagination for a better future for myself, for my family. That sounds crazy. It sounds crazy to me. And it happened to me. I'll bet you've had moments like that. Moments when God's presence was with you in an almost tangible way that changed the course of your life. This is the power of resurrection. This changes everything, you guys. I, God's power has broken into history in the story of Jesus. When we visit this moment of resurrection, what we're really talking about is something utterly foreign to us, something utterly alien to us, breaking into our world in a fresh and completely ridiculous way that tells us that real power, genuine power, the kind of power that we call good and God, is expressed in an entirely ridiculous way. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, the Apostle Paul says it this way. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing of the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And here it comes. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a slave, born in human likeness, found in human form, and humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, when he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Good Friday. So that you may know and attest God's good and perfect will so that your minds might be renewed, so that you might live new lives. This is the power of God. It is the power of emptying ourselves on behalf of others. It is the power of offering our bodies 
as a living sacrifice on behalf of others. In that moment of death on the cross, we experience resurrection. This is not just wishful thinking for eternal life in some heavenly realm with streets paved with gold after we die. This is much more hopeful. It's resurrection now. This is not childish wishful thinking. This is a mature faith that, like Job and like Ecclesiastes, looks at the difficulties of the world, faces it, and surrenders to God, knowing that on the other side of surrender is new life. In his private journal, Dostoevsky wrote this about his faith. It is not as a child that I believe and confess Jesus Christ. My Hosanna, that is my joy, my proclamation of praise is born in the furnace of doubt. Good Friday and Easter morning belong together. Doubt and belief belong together. Death and resurrection belong together. They are not separate events. They are that moment where we experience a transformative encounter with God. Death and resurrection is the the wisdom of Christ. We've been talking about wisdom for three months now. And asking the question, what is wisdom? We talked about what wisdom in the book of Proverbs is. Basic wisdom, get up every day, work hard, and things will work out for you. We talked about the wisdom of Job who said, hey, terrible things happen to good people. I don't get it. We talked about Ecclesiastes who said, everything is messed up. What's the point of life? Jesus is the answer to those questions, you guys. Genuine wisdom is lived on the ground day to day in that space between death and resurrection. Christ demonstrates true wisdom for us in this way. He sees the suffering of the world. He does not hide from it. He stands in solidarity with those who suffer, not with those who are powerful and causing the suffering. He pours out his life as a living sacrifice. And then he is risen. He transcends the powers of death by God's presence. This is not something you can think your way to. This is not something you can reason. It is so hard for me to say that. It's something that you lean into by faith and experience. Today, I want to invite you to lean into that experience. As Joey comes up and sings our last worship song, I want to ask you these questions. How has the resurrected Christ touched your life in ways that you cannot see? What has that looked like for you? How have you experienced the resurrected life or the resurrected Christ in your life in the experience of suffering. 
because the Gospels tells us that is one place where we experience Christ. That Christ is with those who suffer. How have you experienced it in standing with those who suffer? In expressing solidarity with those who are in need? How have you experienced it in surrendering your life as a living sacrifice? How have you experienced it in hearing God's word of life to you at just the right moment? When you thought it couldn't get worse, when you thought for sure it was all going to come crashing down. And there was God's word bringing hope and a resurrection into your heart. As we sing this last song together, I want to invite you to reflect on how you have experienced those moments in your life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for today and for this opportunity to hear your word of resurrection. We thank you that you are faithful to respond to our sacrifices, to respond to our spiritual exhaustion to respond to our offer of our whole lives as a living sacrifice. We're grateful that you respond to that by bringing new life into our hearts. A renewal of our minds, a transformation of our relationships experience of community that witnesses to the goodness of your resurrection. We pray that you would make that real for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you. Hope you're having a great weekend. As you get ready to leave, the one thing that I love about this space here at the Oceanside Sanctuary is given the opportunity to connect. Victoria used the words earlier, plugging in. I think for some of us, this is plugging in on a weekly basis. I think that's amazing. For some of us, plugging in is then showing up on Monday morning to serve a few hundred people with food. So wherever you're at in your spirit with plugging in, I want to give you some opportunities to continue to plug in and continue to use what you're being challenged with on a Sunday morning here in this space and take it into your own life and, in, and into the community. So let me share some of the things that are coming up really quickly here. How Not to Read the Bible is a six-week Zoom study that starts on April 27th. If you want to mark your calendar, I know it's going to be up on the TV here behind me. 6 p.m. on the Zoom, the class where we learn to read scripture from an intelligent, faithful, and radically inclusive perspective. The class starts April 27th, every Wednesday, uh, for six weeks in a row. Also coming up, if you picture yourself being so excited for the second season of Bridgerton to come out on Netflix, this is what I'm talking about right now. Because there was a lot of talk about no greater love and there was no room the first go around to be part of no greater love which is an anti-racist relationship six-week zoom class it's a small group that starts on may 10th at 6 30 p.m i know this is going to fill up quickly 
join us for this process-oriented small group toward racial healing as we engage with ways that white supremacy has shaped false assumptions about black Americans. The meetings start May 10th every Tuesday night for six weeks from 6.30 to 8 p.m. That's going to be on the Zoom as well. You're going to want to register for the group by May the 3rd as space will be limited. And finally, another great opportunity to connect with those people that are sitting around you. Brand new is a nature gathering. Alex will be there for sure this Saturday, April 23rd, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Calavera Lake. You can just show up there. You'll see Alex lingering about, ready to take you on an interactive nature experience where you'll have the opportunity to make space for contemplation, group processing, spiritual practices, solo time, and hiking at various levels. So come on out if you're a level 10 hiker like Alex or level one like me. Everyone is welcome. Once again, that's this Saturday, April 23rd at Calavera Lake in Carlsbad. And then finally, if you're part of the Oceanside Sanctuary, we would love for you to support what's happening here. Um, when you give of your time and resources, some of those things go to providing Jason with a brand new blazer that you saw on today to cover up his normal flannel, his fancy blazer. It goes towards things like this video that we saw with Victoria and filling up the back of vehicles with food for people that need it. If you ever have questions about what resources you share here at the Oceanside Sanctuary, just ask Jason or Janelle or Alex or the team and they will be more than transparent on how they use those things. Finally, I believe um, for me, the other thing I don't like about being here is when Jason poses those very difficult questions at the end of his message. And I have to think about that in my own life. You know, when I, I visualize what this weekend is about for me and for, for my family um, and for what Christ went through on the cross, I've spent eight years kind of hanging out in that picture of that grave based on my own experiences and my own frustrations. And you look at what Jesus went through and, and the ridicule and the torture and the church leaderships and the politicians and, and what they did to him. And I think about that in my own life because I've spent about seven or eight years just kicking around the dust, still on the grave, so to speak. And I come up with my own excuses of what keeps me from plugging in. And then I see Jesus in the story of Jesus and he didn't waste much time. He went through all that and then he went back out in the light to bring more hope to people that are around us. That, that's, the, that's the picture, right? So we'll think about those questions, Jason, that you gave to us and we'll wrestle with them. And when we're ready in our spirits, we'll be able to apply what Jason gave to us today. Have a great week. Have a great Easter Sunday. Uh, may the peace of God be with you.